What I realized for me was that not only did paying attention to my health actually help me to do a lot better and really, you know, like get to a point of understanding my purpose, but also made me realize that a core thing for me that was kind of missing was helping people. And I thought like if I could actually, what I found by launching Hint was that by putting fruit in water, it helped me to actually drink water. Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelly Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. Hello and welcome back, my fellow rebel souls. Thanks so much, you guys. I finally went on and looked at some reviews. And for those of you who've been leaving me these incredible reviews, I think I already have like 20 some reviews and they're really moving. And this podcast is doing exactly what I had hoped. And to be honest, I was listening to Dax Shepard yesterday and he was talking about how like this is his favorite job ever. And I have to tell you that it's becoming mine too. Getting to talk to people I love who are fascinating and get all kinds of juicy nuggets for us as we continue to rebel for what matters most. Hell yeah. This is amazing work. And thank you for reflecting that back to me, that it's having an impact and making a difference in your lives as well. Every single one of these conversations is making a difference in my life. And I was like, why the hell am I not sharing all of these? I know these amazing people. So anyway, I've been down, I've been down that spiel before. I know you've all heard me say it, but thank you really, truly from the depths of my soul. I really appreciate that feedback. And, and for those of you who haven't yet left a review, if you love what you're hearing and it's also having an impact on you, give me some love. Give a girl some love. Rebel love, baby. Rebel love is a unique brand of love you know what I'm talking about. So let's get into today's episode. I had the absolute pleasure of reconnecting with my friend Kara Golden. Kara is amazing. She is the founder and CEO of Hint Water. And I got to tell you guys, here's mine. My, for those of you who are watching me, I've got my Clementine. That's a new one. I haven't tried it yet until today. If you've not tried Hint Water, yum! get on it. It is so good. I now order it directly from their website and I fill my fridge with it. My very favorite flavor is blackberry for the record. But I'm just, I keep trying new things just to see what I like and keep some variety. And the beautiful thing about this, you guys, is Kara's story is And there are lots of parallels with mine because she went on a very personal journey after leaving AOL. She has has this incredible background in the media and tech industries. 
And she, in fact, that's where we met. We met at AOL. We were there kind of cross paths for a hot minute on AOL shopping platform. She had come in um, through an acquisition that AOL had made called uh, To Market, which was a pioneer in what wasn't even called e-commerce back in those days, but was the early version of e-commerce. And Kara was part of the sales executive team that took AOL shopping from zero to a billion dollars in sales. Absolutely incredible. It was a total rocket ship. And I came in there somewhere along the way and I did strategy work and our worlds collided. And it was really cool to now reconnect with her after 20 years and the journeys we've been on. So post AOL, Kara decided she had, she has four kids And she's like, I'm going to spend some time with my kids. I don't want to live on an airplane anymore. I want to chill out. And she just had this feeling in her gut, like she wanted to do something. She wanted to help people. She wanted to do something bigger in the world and and be disruptive. And so she kind of, I said to her, like, I think that was your soul talking to you. And so it was also post 9-11. And so, you know, she, as well as so many of us were kind of rethinking like what really matters, sort of similar to what we're doing right now in COVID and different scenarios, but big shakeups, right? And so that led her on her own very personal health journey. She wanted to lose weight and get her energy back and get rid of this adult acne that had showed up on her face and just kind of get feel healthy again, feel better again. And so she was on a mission to fall in love with water and to kick her Diet Coke habit And along the way, the rest is history. She starts throwing slices of fresh fruit into water and all kinds of interesting flavors and combinations and eventually goes on this journey with her husband, Theo, to say, I think we've got something here. This is like white space in the beverage industry. No one else is doing this kind of, you know, all natural, you know, fruit essence, unsweetened, no preservatives kind of product. And people don't really even know what they're drinking. And they've created a revolution. I'm so passionate about this, you guys. Like this podcast is not sponsored by Hint, but I love it. So this is a passion plug. And if you haven't tried it, I would totally encourage you to try it. It will make you want to drink a hell of a lot more water and have to pee a lot more. But you know, So it goes, right? This is the price we pay. Anyway, Kara's new book called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters comes out on October 20th. And this episode is dropping on October 19th, which means for those of you who are listening on the day it drops, tomorrow is the big day. So pre-order or order her book, you guys. It's so good. I binged it over the weekend. We talk a lot about it in this conversation and go through what does it mean to be undaunted and why Kara calls herself an accidental entrepreneur and so many of the lessons that she's learned along the way. You do not have to be an entrepreneur or a wannabe entrepreneur for these lessons to be relevant. We talk about mission and purpose and mindset and so many other things. And I know this is, this is life stuff, you guys, whether you are in a big company, a medium-sized company, you've started your own company, you're in transition trying to figure out what you want to do. 
man, this woman shares, she drops some, oh, pure gold, pure gold. So I'm going to leave it at that. I want you, the rest to be revealed in the conversation. Uh, suffice it to say, this is, yeah, this is one that you're going to want to listen to a couple of times. Just listen to her stories. And yeah, these guys are expanding so many products. They have hint deodorant now. They have hint sunscreen. And she talks at the very end about a brand new hint product that I'm not going to spoil the surprise of, but I'm super excited about. So there you go, guys. Let's drop into our conversation with Kara Golden. Enjoy. Before we begin, I want to share an offering from my soul to yours. If you've achieved traditional success only to realize that you're living someone else's dream, then this will start you on a profound journey toward becoming chief soul officer of your own life, just like I did. I'm gifting you a free chapter from my book, Soulbatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. It's called Liberating from the Shackles of Should. And if you're ready to, then visit soulbatical.com to download it for free. That's S-O-U-L-B-B-A-T-I-C-A-L.com. Warning, side effects include intense joy and fulfillment. Hey, we are diving right in with my friend, Kara Golden. Kara, welcome to Rebel Souls. Thank you. Super great to be here. Yeah. And the dirty little secret is that Kara and I have been sitting here for like 20 minutes just chatting (laughs) because we've been catching up. I'll tell you guys a little bit about our story, but we crossed paths for a hot minute at AOL, then, which became AOL Time Warner back in the day. That was back in 2000. That was 20 years ago. Can you believe that? Insane, right? Yeah. And we were just laughing. It's like, well, what have you been up to? Because a lot has changed in both of our lives in those 20 years. And we both have businesses and we're authors. And I mean, girl, you're like a celebrity now. You're like the entrepreneurial darling. Yes. So funny. I I mean, it's the, the humbling part is it's sort of like when you do something that is like, you know, it's hard, but then it like you do it, like you run a company or you do, or you author a book or whatever. And your 18 year old son tells you that his friend ordered your book and he's like, doesn't know whether or not to be like horrified or, (laughs) you know, like, hmm, like, and he was like, wow, like she started a company. Like, that's really, you know, like I love like hearing about this and I'm like, you know, okay. Like, I feel for you, like that yeah. you have to like have this conversation with somebody and he's like, no, mom, it's, it's cool. I just don't really know how I feel about it. So it's, it's still like a, another part of my life that I'm still oh, trying to figure out. Completely. Well, and, and get prepared because I was, for everybody listening or watching, I told Kara, I binged her book in a weekend. So oh. I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of it. By the way, I have put in my pre-order. So we will plug, we will plug your book. Yeah. Um, but I totally binged it over the weekend. And I just, I loved it. One, because for me, it was a little bit of like a trip down memory lane when you were talking about AOL and the tech industry and everything that was going on at the time. And even some of the names were super familiar. But just like hearing your story of becoming this accidental entrepreneur, as you say, like, I want to dive into it all. It just like, it just grabbed me. And I made a list of all these things. I was like, oh my God, okay, we're both, like, we have so much stuff in common. I'm like, okay, yes, there's the red hair. Mine is not natural. Yours is. So I, you, so you went on, you went on that one. We, we crossed 
cross paths at AOL. We didn't work a lot together, but we were both on the shopping platform. I was on the strategy side. You were on the sales side. We now run businesses that emerged from our own personal journey and our personal story, which I think is so cool. Very different businesses and at very different stages of their life. And we're really purpose-driven and value-driven, values-driven in what we do. We're both passionate about helping people. And we've now written books about our journeys that we're sharing with the world to inspire others. And so I was like, I've never been more happy to reconnect with somebody after 20 years. Because wow. I was like, how cool that our journeys have been on this beautiful parallel path, even though they've been wildly different. So nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. But I love, I love hearing that because I... I agree. So very, very similar. Yeah. So let me start by asking. So your, I love your signature question on your Unstoppable podcast. And my signature question is, what are you rebelling for? Well, I think, you know, it's an interesting question because I think some people have that answer from like their whole life, right? And I think for me, it was always... It, it it was it was kind of always there, but it was never really defined until I did leave AOL. And it was and you know it really boiled down to health because I thought like the hardest thing for me to actually get right was getting healthy. And I had gained a ton of weight from all the kids that I had, and I have four children. And but also like I developed this weird like adult acne that was really bothering me that just I never had acne like as a kid and and then I my energy levels were way down and so I kept really really trying to figure this out like why is this happening to me and you know I had this one thing that I think so many people when they're trying to figure stuff out. It's like a good and a bad, but I had time, right? Like I wasn't working. And so I was like sitting here trying to figure out like, okay, how can I solve this stuff? Maybe I should start working out. This new store called Whole Foods had just opened in San Francisco. Like I was like, oh, it's really fancy. Everything's healthy there. And, and you know, I can just go and like shop there and I'll get healthy. And it really wasn't working. And so anyway, the, the net of the story is what I realized for me was that not only did paying attention to my health actually helped me to do a lot better and really, you know, like get to a point of understanding my purpose, but also made me realize that a core thing for me that was kind of missing was helping people. And I thought like if I could actually, what I found by launching Hint was that by putting fruit in water, it helped me to actually drink water. And I thought, there's a lot of people who have this problem. I had no idea, but like I, my guess was a lot of people had this problem because, you know, these diet sodas were a really big market and people who were drinking vitamin water, like it was like they were drinking it because they thought it was healthier for them. And so I thought, there's a market out there. I didn't know how big it was. I didn't know how many competitors there were, but I thought, who cares? Like, as long as I go and launch something and if I'm helping people, like that to me will be a driver and sort of what I ultimately feel like, you know, I should be going for. And, what? and yeah. Go, 
I was just gonna, I was just gonna say just to take you a step back because you had this high flying career in the media and tech industry. So you were at, you were in the like Time Inc. world before you were at Time, you were at CNN, then you went to the precursor of AOL, you know, AOL shopping, right? I forget, what was the name of the company that you went to? To Market? To market, yes, yeah. yes. To market, which was then, you know, which was basically one of the front runners or the, you know, the pioneers in the really? e-commerce space, right? Which was then absorbed by AOL. And then you literally created, you know, that AOL shopping from zero to a billion. I mean, I mean, obviously there were lots of great people in the team as well. I mean, I was, you know, I I was definitely a part of it, but I think that yeah, I mean, it was it was a crazy time, and we had no idea, you know, in the early days back in 1995, we had no idea what we were doing, and you know, and part of the reason why, you know, I wrote this book was sort of sharing these stories about, like, I mean, it 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 was not only scary, it was fun, but it was it was truly the wild wild west of like growing something from, you know we didn't even know, like we would set goals and we had no idea whether or not they were attainable anymore. And so people always ask me or make comments to me saying like, oh, you're fearless or, you know, you've got lots of confidence or whatever. I'm like, there were many times I had no idea what we were doing, but I knew that I would try and that I would be able to like, I was okay with basically living through this experience and feeling like I was going to learn a lot and ultimately, you know, keep moving forward and keep celebrating and changing what I needed to change along the way in order to do, you know, what we did. And I think that there were just so many things along the way that I'm just so grateful, frankly, for AOL for being able to learn there. And, you know, I think the biggest issue for me, frankly, was the travel that I was doing. And I was living in San Francisco I was married. I'm still married to, thank God. I mean, like, I don't know how that stayed, you know, like traveling as much as I did. But, you know, he had, he was a lawyer, so he had to take the bar exam in California. So it's a bigger deal, like when you move, right? It wasn't like, oh, you know, I was staying for him. It was really, truly, you know, there was kind of this, I mean, yes, he could have gone and taken a bar exam in another state. But Anyway, I think like that for me was really the key thing that I just felt like, gosh, I've done a lot here and it's been really great, but I kind of want to like be home and and watch my little kids. So there were a lot of, you know, things that I think you got out of the book too that, you know, people tell people all the time like, oh, don't take time off work because, you know, if you do that, you'll never get back on the track. And I mean, I could tell you, you know, on two hands, like how many people I know who have taken like a year sabbatical or I have a friend who took 10 years off and, you know, now she's a partner in a VC firm, you know, by the way, one of the only women in a VC firm, but like, she, like, again, like there's no set rules. You're the one that actually determines what you can and can't do. And that is really, you know, the story, my story. And I feel like if I can inspire other people to just like, just stop like believing your own stuff, right? Or believing what other people are telling you can, you can and can't do. Of course you can. If you set your mind to it and you want it bad enough. 
Well, I know you've, you've read my book because you were great, gracious Love enough it. to read it when I sent it to you. So you know you're preaching to the choir on this totally. one and to most people who are listening to this right now. And thank you for that reminder because we have these stories in our heads and we convince ourselves that we should, right? We should do this or we should do that or, you know, we won't be hireable if we take a little bit of time off. And Totally. One of the things, so I just think setting the record straight on that is so powerful. And the other thing that really struck me in your story was this idea that you had this knowing in your soul, even though you were getting, you were getting lots of phone calls from many tech companies who wanted, who were offering you very lucrative opportunities to get back into the tech space. But you had this deep knowing in your soul that you somehow wanted to make a more positive contribution that you were meant to do something more disruptive like what had you listening to that was part I, I'm assuming part of it was your family and not wanting to be on planes all the time and all of that was there also like was that a time for you to be connecting with your soul in a way that you hadn't before yeah I mean you know I think the the key thing for me well one of the events was 9-11 and yeah. so I had just had few months prior, I just had my daughter, Caitlin, and I was pregnant with actually my, my third child, which, you know, is like, wouldn't recommend, I adore him, don't get me wrong, but like having kids 13 months apart, I had friends that would run into me that would say, oh my God, like, didn't you have a baby? Oh my God, wow, you're having kids 13 months apart, it's crazy. And, you know, 9-11 came about and I had lived in New York for a period of time before I was up the startup to market and knew friends who had been through 9-11 as well. And my husband's from New York and his father's a doctor. And, you know, so we had a lot of connections like with it. And I thought, you know, this is a really scary time. And if there's no tomorrow, am I actually doing what I ultimately want to do? And, and also like, you know, I've got these young babies in my house too that are, you know, I adore. And I'm thinking like, gosh, like, do, can I do something that's actually, you know, helpful and passionate? I don't think I, you know, it's hard to recall, but I, I don't think I actually had that feeling quite yet, you know, right at 9-11. I think for me, I was really thinking first, like, is this what I want to ultimately be doing? Do I want to be in tech? Do I want to work? Like, do I want to be commuting? Like, you know, I want to stay with my family more. Like all, all of those kind of questions were rolling through my head. But again, I think for me, it was like, well, I'll make a decision later. You know, what I really want to do is get healthy. And so I think it was really the combination between the two of them that sort of led, frankly, to, you know, me diving in and really deciding that this was what I wanted to do. I mean, it, at, for a moment, I actually thought I want to help people. So therefore, I need to do a nonprofit. And so I searched for a nonprofit. And, you know, the, the biggest issue for me with, with a nonprofit was, you know, AOL in, in many ways kind of ruined me because it was like <laughs> this fast rocket ship, right? And uh -huh. so I'd, I'd go into like these, you know, these poor like, you know, lunches looking at, you know, these different nonprofits and, and these groups and, and, you know, there'd be this huge meeting and we'd all chat and then we'd all walk away from there without sort of saying, okay, we got to go to this, 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 this. And I was like, 
wait, what are we doing? Like, did anything get done? And so I would find myself, you know, that that was like when you're in a startup that kind of grows at that pace, it's like, you know, I don't know, either you you like it or you don't, I guess. I, I loved that pace of sort of growing and kind of, you know, one day coming into the office and there's, you know, 50 people and then it's 100 people and then it's 300 people. And like that to me was just very energizing. And I think, again, it's not for everybody, but I think it's it's hard to slow down after that. Like it's a, it's a very, I always share with people, it, it sometimes takes you like a couple of years to sort of like be like, you know, but but I also feel like it it also taught me, you know, to grow a company. I think the hardest thing is when people have only worked at large companies and then they do the reverse, they come into that environment. It's like, ah, you know, what it's happened? Tough. Yeah. Right? And I've really, I mean, that for me, I started in a, you know, time where it was definitely kind of a, you know, one of those larger companies. And then I went to a company in between that, which was CNN, it was very early days. And then, and then went to a teeny, teeny, tiny startup and then went a little bit bigger with AOL that just went on hyper growth. So I think I've seen, I mean, that's, that's like a whole other thing. Like, I think I've been really fortunate to be able to see different stages of growth in companies and also what I'm really like most excited about and interested in innovation and, you know, and things, things like that and cultures and, you know, that, that sort of conversation, I think, you know, is one where I actually, when I'm out speaking, I end up kind of going in that direction oftentimes with some larger, you know, I speak to entrepreneurial audiences and students, but especially when I'm asked to come and speak at kind of leadership forums and with some larger companies. I and mean, that's something where I, I just have a good, you know, gauge, I think, of, of sort of what's going on in a lot of companies and what can be done and like how hard is it to turn the ship. And so people are always, it's, it's not very common that people have sort of worked in all different stages of companies like I have and, and, and enjoyed them all frankly, for different reasons. Well, and I love you talk about this and I do want to dive into some of the culture stuff in a little bit, but I first want to kind of tell the story of like how Hint even came to be. But the I, I love that you talk very explicitly about what you learned from each one of those companies and yeah. each stage of the way and how it's informed how you're creating, you know, culture at Hint, you know, how you've even structured the company, how you, you know, view talent management and all of that, which I just think is so beautiful that you've got that perspective and you've brought it into this this baby that you've grown. So let's let's talk about this. So you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. So I now know this is because you to get back to the story you were telling, you're like, okay, wait, I don't feel as healthy. I've gained weight from, you know, having my kids. Yeah. I've got this strange acne that I've never had before. My energy just feels funky. It feels off. So you start putting fresh fruit in water so you can drink more water, right? Totally. Yeah. And then, and, and then what happens? <laughs> well, yeah. And so I, I, I mean, I primarily did it because I wanted to enjoy the taste of water. And I recognized, you know, I used to drink a ton of diet soda and I used to go down to the cafeteria at AOL and, you know, have my super big gulp, you know, container and put it under there and, you know, never really thought I was doing anything wrong. But when one day I decided to just give up on diet soda, just because it had so many ingredients in the ingredients label, I thought, 
I'll just put it to the side for now and swap it out for water and see what happens. And after like day two, I was like, why did I agree to this? Like, this is awful. And I grew up in Arizona. I was an athlete. I should have been drinking lots of water. I didn't. I used to drink diet soda even as like I'd go running and I drink diet soda. Like I was crazy. So I think for me, I, you know, was sort of thinking and dreaming about a better tasting water. And then whoever would talk to me, remember like, all of my friends, like I had tiny babies and my husband and all of my friends were in tech for the most part. And they were all busy. Like they were like, wait, what are you doing? You're taking some time off. I, I don't know. You're like sidelined for a while. Like, sorry, can't talk to you. And I just was looking at the fruit one day and I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water. I'm like, fine, I can do this for a couple of weeks. And then when I really saw what a dramatic change it made in me, my energy levels, as well as, you know, my weight and, and everything else, I thought, wow, like it's, it's really crazy that people actually fall for this whole diet game. Like most of the people I know who have sort of, you know, decided that diet is good for them are actually not as healthy as they want to be either. And then, you know, there's other tricky words like low fat and vitamin and, you know, and all these things that are just not regulated. I mean, it's just, it's just like a trap. The marketing game, totally. Yeah, it's a marketing game. And again, like I kept thinking about it, you know, during this time when I wasn't working. And so I had plenty of time to like talk. And so I had no friends. And so I'd go to the grocery store and then I started talking to the guy at Whole Foods, you know, and I would like come home and talk to my husband. I'm like, oh, the guy at Whole Foods says that there's no other products like, you know, this fruit and water because I asked him for it and I was going to buy it. And he was like, and oh yeah, like what else did he say? Maybe you should go get a job instead of talking to the guy stocking the shelves at Whole Foods. Like, like, my wife is losing her mind. Maybe, <laughs> right? And, and so, you know, I mean, that, that is, you know, the true, the true story. And then, you know, as I was getting healthy and hanging out with my kids in San Francisco and enjoying water, as long as I put my little slices of fruit in, friends would say to me, like, how did you think to put a pomegranate in your water? And I mean, I remember one time, one of my friends said this to me, and I said, like, I'm like worried about you. Like, and she said, why? And I said, because you would ask me why I would put a pomegranate in, in my water. Like, it just, to me, it just seems so normal at this point that I'm like, I'm just doing it for taste. Like, I, I hate the taste of water. And so anyway, I, I just laughed. And that's when I think, you know, there were just all these stars were aligning. Like, I was just like, I don't know, maybe people like it. You know, they would tease me like, hey, you know, when you come back to the gym, like bring me a raspberry one and stuff. I'm like, sure. You know, like it was just, it was like this joke. And so then I thought, God, it'd be really fun to get a product like in Whole Foods. And I don't know, like, it's a funny thing. I've said this to people so many times. I think I'm the only one that actually thought, I mean, obviously there's plenty of products on the shelf at Whole Foods, but I really like thought about it one day. I'm like, I don't know. It's like a goal. I wonder if I can get a product on the shelf at Whole Foods. And I don't know like why or, you know, whatever, but I just thought, I don't know, like I wonder what it would take to to make that happen and how it would happen. And then I had this product idea. And so I just thought, I don't know, like let's see what happens. But I mean, I know I there were so many things I didn't know. And I mean that that's really what I 
talk about in the book as well that, you know, there's no reason why we should be able to be doing what we're doing today according to the way that everybody thought about things back then when I started in 2005, that it was like, you know, you're a tech executive, you know nothing. Like I thought closures, like these are called closures and I thought they were called caps. And so once I actually figured out like that they were called caps and not closures, it was like, it was a big deal. Because when you actually know the name of something, you can actually find out a lot more information on them, right? And so I would be calling these bottling plants and I'd be saying like, hey, like, you know, we've got these, you know, ideas for this product and we use caps on our product and they were, they'd be like, oh, this lady has no idea what she's talking about. But once I said, you know, we use like, you know, these, this size closure, they're like, oh, you know, she's like awake now. Like she's, you know, she knows what she's talking about. So I, I think that there was also this element too, for me of kind of like, I, I loved growing to, you know, do what I did at, at AOL, but I also felt like I was teaching a lot of people mm. versus like actually being educated. And so I talk about this a lot and, you know, this sort of le like leads into culture too, where I think that that was kind of the exciting thing for me too about launching a beverage and launching something that helped me get healthier is that I had made this discovery and I could help a lot of other people. But in addition to that, I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. I had never been to a bottling plant before. I had, you know, like there was just this geeky like side of me that was just being, you know, energized by the education. And people would say to me like, oh, you've worked at like, you know, the big soda companies. I'm like, oh no, I like never did. And then after a while they'd be like, oh, what did you do with these other companies? And they were like, oh, okay. Like she's not a total moron. I mean, maybe she's like, you know, worked her way up. And they're like, wait, why are you doing this? Like you could be working in Silicon Valley, making a lot more money. And I'm like, I know, but I got really healthy by making this change. And if I could help a lot of other people, it's a big idea and we could change health in America. And we could do so many things. And people were like, wow, like that's, and so that goes back to this other point I made a few minutes ago, which is, you know, nonprofits are great. They help lots of people, right? And help lots of causes. Yeah. But I was like, I'm helping lots of people too. You know, like I could actually help change the course of diabetes if everybody, like type 2 diabetes, if everybody actually figured out that, you know, having diet sweeteners may not actually help you to not get, you know, type 2 di diabetes. It might, right? There's a, there's a lot of th things out there like that. But anyway, I think that that was the thing that I found was probably most interesting about this that, you know, and something else I, I talk about in the book too is that, you know, I didn't really, I didn't know what I was doing. So I didn't really have like a solid timeline. So, which is another thing that, you know, and I call not only an accidental startup, but I'm like often quoted as saying we're a 15 year startup and, yes. you know, and people are like, oh, that's like a lot, a long time. And I mean, could I have gone faster? A hundred percent. But I wanted to wait for, you know, to go into markets when I thought that that consumer was ready. I wanted to raise money from the right people. 
So I was very smart about levers along the way to make sure that we were not making any bad moves that would, you know, potentially crush the company. Yeah, I love I think I wrote in the notes that I sent to you that's like you've proven in writing this book that there is no such thing as an overnight success. Before I everybody says that it's like, oh, you know, hint or whatever, you know, the other thing that starts to just get in the spotlight. It's like, oh, where did that come from? I personally didn't even realize that you had been working on this for 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. And and that's true for so many companies. I mean, I, you know, I always, you know, tell the story that when we were coming out with Hint, we were lucky enough to meet one of the like key people, the top people at Vitamin Water and this guy, Mike Rapoli, who runs sales for Vitamin Water. And, you know, he told us the story of, of Vitamin Water and, you know, and like, I couldn't believe, I think at that point they had been around for like 14 years. And I'm like, wait, what? You've been around for 14 years? Get out of here. Like you guys were in around in the 90s. Like it just seems so weird to me. And then he told me the story that I think they had at least one bankruptcy. I think there was another bankruptcy that was like close. And, you know, it was just like, again, like you have no idea. By the time the average consumer, and he said this to me, by the time the average consumer actually knows that your product is, you know, there in the beverage industry, it's typically so much longer. And, you know, there's just so many games that are played in retail too. And this is not just the case for beverage, but I think, you know, beverage clearly has you know, these issues where there's over 200 competitors or 2000 competitors in the marketplace. And so, you know, it's a very, unlike tech where you've got like four or five, right? At a time that you're sort of like competing with like beverages, like, I mean, people always still say to me, you know, who's your biggest competitor? And I'm like, we compete with everyone for shelf space. You know, I compete with you know, Warby Parker for ads on Facebook, right? Like it's just, it depends. We have 55% of our business is direct to consumer. So, you know, it depends on what you're talking about. We're an omni-channel brand. So like how you look at things, right? Like that's kind of how we really think about it. So yeah, so it, I think it's just, it's, you know, it's been a crazy ride and, and a lot of fun. And I think that more than anything, what I've learned is like, as long as you're having fun along the way, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of reasons why people slow things down. You know, like thankfully they weren't, I've talked to people who start companies and slow things down because maybe, you know, somebody's died in the family or, right? Like there's been some reason. And I think it's like gone are the days where, you know, you have to stay the course and, you know, stay on some crazy path just because you feel like, oh, that's what I got to do. Otherwise, like it's going to, you know, go under. Like I feel, I feel like that's just a misnomer. So. Yeah. Well, I, and I want, I, I'm on a mission to normalize that conversation because I feel like so many of us wait for that 9-11 or that crisis or that illness totally. or that tragedy, right? Like this is what happens because it doesn't feel safe in some cases to have a conversation to say, no, you know what? I want to take a pause or I want to explore this particular idea I have, or I just want to spend time with my family, whatever it is. I just, I think it's so powerful. So I love that you have that mindset because I think the more of us who are talking about this and we can help normalize this in the world, I think it's going to revolutionize. To me, I'm all about rewriting the script of success. And I think that's a part of it, right? It's like, 
Well, you create your timeline. You can do what you want to do. You can pause when totally. you want to pause. So I could, I could talk about that forever, but there's so much I want to dig into with you. I mean, you guys have defied all of the odds in succeeding in the beverage industry. Like you have blown through them one after another. It's like nine out of 10 beverage startups fail in the first year. And most of them don't make it past, you know, being a, like a, what was it like $10 million company. And and so, and I, I now understand from reading your book that the reason that is, is because you are the definition of undaunted. And I really want you to dive into what this means because I know in what I sent over to you, I was like, oh my God, I get this. Like I've always known the definition of undaunted, but what I realized in reading your story is that it's all about this mindset mm -hmm. and totally. these really incredible questions that you asked along the way. And I would love for you to tell some of that story because you guys came up against massive obstacles. And well, I guess it's the subtitle of your book, like doubts that you had about yourselves, totally. doubters along the way. So talk about what, what does it mean to be undaunted and what are some of those questions and mindset tools that you've used? Because, I mean, you used them long before you started Hint. Yeah, definitely. I, well, first of all, I mean, this kind of came about the, the idea for the book was I would be out speaking and, and talking about, you know, the journey of Hint. And, and then I would tell stories. And I always feel like there's always the 15-minute Q&A at the end where people would raise their hand or I'd get these questions on social media too, where they'd say, well, I'm really different because you're fearless. I'm not. I have doubts. Like, you know, and and I kept answering really in different ways, but essentially in the same way that I'm actually not that different, that I actually have a lot of doubts. I have a lot of fears. You know, I think the most interesting people are the ones that actually own their fears. I've always sort of like thought like that, you know, that, you know, I'll say to, I have a fear of heights. And so I've, I've said for years to people, like, I'm really afraid of heights. And like slowly I would go and do things like, you know, that kind of challenged it. But finally I made this big decision to go to the Grand Canyon. I grew up in Arizona. And so that was always like this very daunting like thing, like the Grand Canyon. I remember as a little girl, like my parents driving, like not that close to the cliff, but I remember like thinking that it was very close to the cliff and I'd be like, okay, go fast because I don't like, they're like, it goes on for like a while. You like, just don't look out the window. And I, I remember just being really nauseous over, you know, this fear that I had. And so as I got older, I decided back, I guess it was 2012, I think now I always lose track of years, but that I would go and tackle it because I was mm -hmm. tired of living, you know, with this fear. Prisoner so, to the fear, exactly. Right. And, and I didn't really know, like I thought I would go hike the canyon. I prepared to, to do that and, you know, talk to as many people, I was on all these, you know, boards and stuff, asking people like, what kind of shoes so I don't slip? Like, were the mules really bad going down the canyon? And it's funny because I, I finally, I, I freaked out the day before I was actually going down the canyon because a friend, I was at one of my daughter's soccer games and a friend said to me, aren't you really afraid of heights? Like, how are you going to do this? And so there's one lesson. Whenever you have doubts, you can always find doubters. Like, and they're usually like your friends, 
they don't have bad intentions typically. They actually feel like they're supporting you, right? But how many times have you like barely shared like, I don't know if I should do that or not. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. Like, and you're like, okay, fine. I'm not going to do that, right? But I remember thinking, nope, I've like been high, I've been like planning for this and preparing and my daughter is coming with me and, you know, my sister and, and relatives and friends and stuff. So we had a group of us that were, were all going. So I was not going to back out now, but I called my sister and I said, listen, I'm kind of freaked out right now. I should not have gone to the soccer game and like run into my friend, right? Blaming her, you know, for it. But I said, I think I have to start at like four o'clock in the morning. If I start at 4 a.m., maybe I'll like get down the canyon far enough where it's like not so high. And like at this point before the sun rises. So I'd strategized about like what was my visually, like what would I be fearing? So I have a great sister, you know, I, I, she like was like, okay, like 4am, you know, like whining and complaining, but she's like, all right, fine. Cause I don't want you to back out. So we, you know, go down the canyon, everything's great. And then all of a sudden my sister and I were by ourselves. Like we, I won't tell you the whole story, but you know, this herd of like goats come over our head and like almost like killed us. I mean, it was so close to like killing us. We both looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, we totally thought that we were like worried about slipping down the canyon, worried about all these things. And wouldn't that just be so radical if we were just killed by a herd of goats in the middle of the canyon? I mean, almost too much. Like we were just laughing, right? We were cracking up. So then we continue and we had all broken into like groups. We get to the bottom of the canyon and we're going across the canyon. And I'm like, God, I'm so hot. Is there shade anywhere? And no one had told me. I did all this research and no one had told me that there's no shade on the bottom of the canyon. There's nine miles of like no shade in the canyon. And it was just, and I don't do well with heat. Like I'm actually, I don't know. I just like don't, I've just never liked it, even though I grew up in Arizona. I was just going to say, it's very ironic. (laughs) Yeah, but I've always, I really like shade and it's not, you know, it's better for me probably, but it's, but it's also, I just don't like sun just beating on me. It just is like not pleasant feeling for me. So it was really, so that part, nine miles is really Mm. tough, right? And it was like October, it wasn't July, but it was still warm. And I was just like, oh, this is really hard. And then- as I was going up the mountain. So you're doing the rim to rim, right? So you're literally going down, through, and up. That's, whew, yeah. that's a hike. And so, so that was like another piece where, you know, as we were heading up, I have an encounter with a rattlesnake. <laughs> I, you know, like, and, and what I found every single one of these challenges, as somebody said to me, you're basically in your hallucination state. It's 22 miles, right? So I'm like so tired. I'm like, got to go up this mountain. I run in this rattlesnake. Is that I kept reminding myself when things got hard, I kept reminding myself about things that I had done that were really hard. And it just naturally like went through my head. I didn't say to myself, okay, when things get hard, this is what you do. It was just kind of where my mind went and it gave me strength, yeah. right? Like I just said, you know, like the example of the rattlesnake, somebody years ago told me always stand back 15 feet from a rattlesnake because they will, they jump. And so like, if you're, I mean, 
I don't know if, if you're 16 feet, like, you know, you better hope that it's not like a rattlesnake that knows how to go 16, but everyone told me 15, 15 feet. And so, you know, I've always like, not that I see tons of rattlesnakes, but over the years, it's sort of like this trivia question that I'm like, I know the answer to this. It's like 15 feet. So of course I run into this rattlesnake and what do I do? I back up and I like, and I wait because that was the thing that I, that I realized is that when things are, first of all, 15 feet back, because that's what I had been told to do. And I kept thinking, this is the reason why I absorbed this information. But then also, sometimes you have to wait things out, yeah. right? COVID is such a great example where like, sometimes you have to move, sometimes you have to just sit here and wait and just breathe. And, you know, and, and that was like, and again, once I feel like once you start kind of getting in that rhythm of knowing, like remembering what you've done well, remembering when you've had challenges, when you do run into these challenges and these unexpected times of, you know, going nine miles, how could no one tell me like that that was like the situation? I mean, you have no idea how many people, like I asked about this stuff. So again, like you'll run into things where like, you're just like, wait, how, well, this isn't supposed to happen. And you have to be able to deal, right? And, and so I think like that is the story of being undaunted too, where, you know, it's not just about business. It's also about your personal life. And, you know, it's like, I mean, I've talked to friends who I was just talking to a friend who, you know, is a breast cancer survivor. And, you know, I, was, I mean, she has the most beautiful story where like, you know, for her, like when something that horrible happens to you too, it's like, you, you know, you have a choice, like you either give up or you fight. And for her, like, it's about sharing this wisdom with other breast cancer patients, you know, and, and like, again, people manifest, you know, their information and sort of in, in different ways. But I think where I find, you know, the biggest hope, I guess, is where people recognize that everyone has these doubts, everyone has fears, everyone has bad stuff happen to them, but it's really how you move forward and like how you get unstuck and how you think about, you know, like life in general. So I love it. And you, there are a couple of things that I, I picked, well, more than a couple, but a couple that I'll highlight right now. One of the things that is like a through line through the book is your ability to turn setbacks into opportunities. And we all have that ability. We all yeah. have that opportunity. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's our mindset. It's like, am I going to let this take me down? Or am I going to find the opportunity in this? Yeah. Right? I mean, you told such a powerful story about, so I loved that personal story about the Grand Canyon hike. And you also told in the book, the story of when you guys were getting, uh, you had all this momentum because Starbucks had yeah. picked up Hint and then suddenly they didn't. Yeah. And you and were able to find the gift in that. I was reading the book going, holy shit, <laughs> like, yeah. they're, they're a goner. Well, I had so many, I had you know, some early reviewers read it and they, who knew me and they said at, for a moment, I thought, okay, this is where they close up shop. And then I was like, wait, she's still that hint. Like they can't, this it must still be fine. I know. And, um, you know, even investors of mine like said, oh my God, like I never really knew, like it was like, you know, so crazy. So yeah. So, you know, the when big wins, like getting into Starbucks happen, 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's like on your timeline. Like that is like rocket ship. So yes, it is. That's like AOL rocket ship, isn't it? It's amazing. But I learned a very, I mean, I learned a lot of things, but I learned a lot, a really important lesson from that, which was that we had, that was a big celebration. And we put all of our focus as a company on that. Because we were like, it's 40% of our business. Like we were like, oh, we're going to 11,000 locations. Everything's great. But we never really thought, what if that goes away? Like maybe somewhere in there, we thought, okay, eventually they won't carry it. But we didn't think it would go away when you're doing really well. And so we had, you know, been selling lots and lots of hint and like exceeding our goals with them. And then they changed buyers and we get this new buyer and she phones us very nice and said, hey, I love Hint. Unfortunately, we're going to discontinue you guys because we want to put food in the case where it's higher margin business. And, you know, the bad news, worst bad news was it's going to happen next week. So we had already produced a ton of product. (sighs) And we, you know, when you produce product, like we have to pay up front like for the product. We had to pay for the bottles and the fruit and everything. And so we had six months of inventory of Blackberry Hint sitting in um, the warehouse. And basically like, you know, I don't cry very often, but I kind of cried. I thought, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to have to destroy the product? Because it didn't have like an unlimited shelf life on it. And and then we, a couple weeks later, got a phone call from from Amazon. And the buyer said, hey, I buy your product all the time at Starbucks. And I didn't know if I should actually share with them that, you know, we're getting kicked out of Starbucks or we did get kicked out of Starbucks by the time they called. I thought, well, he's not asking. I'm not like going to add anything more to that conversation. And, you know, that was, that was a moment where I was like, okay, they're going to help me by basically buying a lot of this excess inventory that I had. So it was great. But what I also realized, and I mean, it's kind of ironic because I'd been sitting at AOL, you know, running the e-commerce and then thinking that that was like impossible because we had a heavy box. Like all of the things that I had thought that I really, really knew, first of all, like there was a lot of time that had gone on where things had gotten better, but also you know, we struck a deal with FedEx Ground early on that, you know, this comes a little bit later after Amazon, but we were able to do because we we understood Amazon's system. And I understood so much of like the back-end operations from my work at AOL working with retailers too, that I understood kind of some of the issues and if we could find a good shipping rate, et cetera. And so we were in Amazon for about a year before we just really decided that we need to start our own direct-to-consumer business primarily because we weren't going to get the data from from Amazon. And again, like having that experience from AOL, I was able to sort of, you know, know what I wasn't getting. But it also was a moment where I, you know, had this epiphany. Not only was did I need to start my own direct-to-consumer business and figure out how to get a relationship with FedEx in order to figure out the you know the economics of the whole thing but in addition to that i remember connecting the dots very clearly that i was like oh okay not only did i bring lots of insights from AOL over to this relationship that i'm now experiencing with amazon and but also amazon wouldn't have probably maybe they would have maybe they wouldn't have 
got reached out and asked me about the product if they wouldn't have had it in Starbucks. So, you know, it's, it's something that I've always believed that like when bad things happen, they don't last forever, yeah. right? And sometimes you have to go through these bad things in order to experience better things. And to and, see the gift, right? Because we often don't see the gift in the moment. Right. And, and so, and I do that all the time. Like I'm, I'm constantly like, I just live that way. And I'm not going to say like I, you know, when bad things happen, you know, when COVID was happening, I wasn't like, woohoo, you know, like it's right. Like it's, you know, I, but I think everybody even coming out of COVID, I mean, the, the consistent threat is, you know, more family time or, you know, realizing that I didn't want to be in this job or, you know, or that I can actually do my job from home or I, right? Like there's always yeah. like finding that little grains of good, I think is something that we all need to do, right? And sometimes, th you know, things will happen, in my case, Starbucks, that actually needed to happen in order for me to play out the rest of that. So completely. I'm a big believer start in to it. Open. Yeah. Well, your story too. I mean, I think it's, you know, the same. It's like, there are so many, I mean, I loved your book and Thank so you. many, you know, instances when you're up in Wisconsin and, you know, lots of different, lots of different things in there that, you know, really got me thinking. And I think like, there's a lot of people are like, oh, I never should have done that. I never should have gone there. And I'm like, no, like, you know, calm down, zen out on yourself a little bit and allow yourself to sort of sometimes you don't always know why you were there or why, right? Or why you did something, but yeah. then, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's a big piece. Absolutely. We don't always know why we're called to do something or why we're there. And actually, I mean, what I love to say is like, usually the reason that we go to something or we're here is not usually the reason we think we're here, right? We usually, 100%. we discover later or in that moment that, Oh, this was the lesson. Or yeah. this but was not the gift. but you're lucky that you say that because I don't think a lot of, I think the majority of people like when I say that to them they're like, "Oh, wow, that's interesting." Like I think if you think that, you're ahead. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I always like people will say to me like, "Oh my god, this being an an entrepreneur thing is a disaster. I can't do this. I can't do this." And I'm like, "Stop. Like that's the problem." because you have actually set yourself in this motion of can't, 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 can't. And so I said, yes. like, you can't move forward until you actually undo that. And they're like, but I feel that way because I can't do stuff. And I'm like, uh-uh, like I'm telling you, undo. undo. What is the, the famous Henry Ford quote, whether you can or whether you think you can or can't, you're right. Totally. Because that's a hundred percent. It's funny you should bring that up because I wrote down as one of the favorite, like again, a through line that I, sort of I associated with Undaunted is the fact that at every stage, especially every like twist and turn of building this business, you said, what can we do? 
mm-hmm. because you were presented by so many people saying, nope, can't do this. And you and Theo, your husband, trying to figure out how to get a longer shelf life while still honoring the product integrity and sticking to the no preservatives, no sweeteners, no, you know, making this true to your original vision. You just kept asking what can we do? And it opened one little door after another little door, then it opened some bigger doors. And that is a big lesson for all of us. Totally. I mean, I, and I don't know, I think maybe that was like coming from being the youngest of five kids and having parents that were like always saying, in my opinion, no, no, you can't, you can't. Like I had wild brothers that, you know, my parents had just gotten into the habit of like, and so I'd be like, why? Okay, what can I do? And so I was constantly like saying that. And so, you know, when I was starting the company with my husband too, I mean, obviously he had been around me enough for many years. And I would say the same thing when I, I wouldn't, I'd be like, oh, we should go to Mexico. No, I don't want to. Well, what can we do? Like I was always, that's always been like, people would be like, you know, I'd be like, oh, let's go out to dinner. I don't feel like it. Well, what can we do? Like I'm constantly like, I'm on this mode. Well, I'm going. So, you know, like, I'd like you to come with me and do, or I'd like to do this together, but what can we do? I've always kind of had, you know, that mindset. And it's, it's an interesting one because I sort of grew up kind of thinking about it. But now I think it's one where people can actually jump into as well. Like you don't have to have like lived it from when you were a child. Like I think instead it's a very like opening thing instead of like, you don't shut things down. You don't, you know, have doors that like go, go away. Right. When, when you say, Oh, what can we do? Cause that just assumes like you're going to go do something. You're going to go in some direction. Yes. You're going to try something. You just might not know what it is yet. And, and then the other thing is try. And that, that's really the big, you know, piece that I like to put across each of the chapters of this, this book as well, that, you know, if you don't have a try mindset, then you're, I don't, I'm not sure that, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today about this, that I think if, if you don't try, then you're generally not being educated, right? And I don't mean educated in sort of the traditional sense, but going back to kind of the founding story and what got me really, you know, energized. I knew nothing about the beverage industry, but I kept saying, well, I'm going to try to call a bottler. I'm going to try and do this. Like I had, I had no idea if I was going to fail or not or succeed or, you know, whatever, however you want to look at it. But I just thought, well, I'm going to try and see what happens. And maybe somewhere deep in me, I kept thinking, of course, I wanted it to be successful, but I thought, I don't know, it'd be kind of funny story. Like, I mean, after a while, I thought it was sort of funny when like people hung up on me, I'd get like depressed for a minute. I'd be like, can you imagine? Like, what am I doing? Like, you know, and I would just like, wouldn't take myself that seriously. And, you know, and some days I would, I would just like say, okay, I can't do this anymore. I got to, you know go, I, I got to hang it up for the day. And, you know, people would be like, oh my God, you got to work 18 hour days. I'm like, eh, I could maybe tomorrow. Like I, yeah. like I, I'll try, I'll try tomorrow. Like if it was as bad of a day as it was today, probably not. But, but again, like I think having that, I don't know, it's like an, it's an attitude. It's a belief system. It's, you know, a lot of things where people, you know, ultimately have said, you know, this is, how do you get this way? How do you, and I said, you just start. 
right? Because I think if you really do start like living that way and having this, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and do it, then you learn what you like, what you can, what all these things. Yeah. You, I always say every badass accomplishment is a series of tiny steps. And what you did is you just d- took every little tiny step one by one by one, and then you course correct along the way. And didn't you use your dad's favorite question? Didn't he always say to you, what's the worst that can happen? So it's like, yeah. you just kept picking up the phone and you kept asking questions and you just, you were like, well, why not? What's the worst that can happen? They hang up on me. Yeah. And maybe I call someone else, but I, I, it made me really reflect when I was reading that to think how many times have I stopped myself yeah. from making 100%. those calls and what yeah. did I miss out on? Yeah. And I think families, you know, of course are, as I mentioned in the book, I mean, they're the ones where, you, you know, like you'll call your sister or your mom or whatever, or your dad and say, Oh, what do you think? And of course, they want you to be safe. They don't want you to take risks. You know, like they're, and my dad in, in many ways, like I don't think my dad was like this huge risk taker, but I think he had this like little grain of like, you know, wanting to be an entrepreneur too. And and when I, I think he, he just got like such a crazy kick out of me because I would just do crazy things and I just wouldn't really, you know, got my first job at age 14 in a toy store. I'm like doing the buying. He was like, wait, go through this again. Like, did they ever ask like how old you were? And I'm like, they didn't. And I have the greatest job. I'm going to the toy fair. He's like, you're going to a toy fair, like to buy the toys. You're 14. I'm like, I know, don't tell anybody. Like it's, it's all good. And he's like, I cannot believe he was like, as long as you're staying out of trouble, like that, you know, that was like the, the overwhelming, you know, sort of wish that that came out of my parents like they just oh they just God. laughed most most of the time at me like they wouldn't they you know so anyway i think it's, i think it's, it's so funny. funny though kara as i'm listening to you talk and tell the story and i'm thinking back to parts of the book i'm like she's not an accidental entrepreneur at all like this mindset and what you've been doing since you were 14 getting that job in the toy store and the way that you've just picked up the phone the way that you got inside you know you were going you wanted a job at fortune and you got a job at time you literally just showed up I mean, the stories, you guys, I'm not going to give away all the stories in the book because I want everybody to buy this book, but it's like, I look at it and go, oh my God, you are destined to be doing what you're doing right now. And I know we're, we're getting really close on time and I, I don't want to let this conversation go without us talking, riffing a little bit on purpose and mission because you are so guided by this bigger vision or this bigger purpose of helping people. You said it as we were talking about what you're rebelling for and you guys have shifted. One of the greatest things I thought in reading your story that I didn't know before picking up the book was that you start with, first of all, you just want yourself to fall in love with water. Then you want to help other people fall in love with water. And now you're on this broader mission to help other people fall in love with healthy choices. Yeah. So it's yeah. Real, which is so beautiful. And you've stayed open to your mission and your purpose evolving along the way. And that's opened door to, doors to other categories, product totally. categories. And also doing things that, you know, are extensions. I mean, I'm working on a huge initiative in Washington around clean water and, yes. you know, and like things that 
that again, you know, I learned along the way. I did not have, you know, the resume to do that. But again, it's like, it's my passion and it's my curiosity and all of those things that I think, you know, make up not only the best entrepreneurs, but, you know, probably the happiest ones, right? And I think that I always tell people, you know, that the key thing in life, I think, and something that I even you know, hope for my kids is that they fi- they figure out. Like, I think that's the hardest thing for people is figuring out what it is that they want to get up and do. And I talk a lot about this on Twitter that I'm like, you know, just simple things like saying good morning to people. It's like it sets them in the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then like, what do you want to, who do you want to be around all day? Do you want to be around people that don't say good morning to you? Do you want to you know, do you want to do something that actually like you feel good about that you have consumers like writing to me every single day saying like, oh my God, like I love your product. You help me get healthy. Like that kind of thing to me is like, that's like fuel, right? Like that, that's what keeps you going when you have those hard days, when you get kicked out of Starbucks, when you, you know, like aren't sure you're going to make it out of the Grand Canyon, like all of these things along the way where, you know, you, it's just all these things combined. You're like, I got this. So that is the, that is the big thing. And I think it's, you know, it's not easy to find your passion and I think you got to like do work on it, but I think it's something that just makes life a little bit easier and happier for people that can actually figure it out. Yeah, having that why you actually I wrote something down that I want to read from your book because it's about mission. And I just thought your advice was so powerful. You said, wherever you are in your journey, it can take some time, it can take some doing to figure out what your mission is, but you will never define it, let alone achieve it if you don't open doors and try the operative word. Totally. different possibilities. When you do that, your mission gradually comes into focus based on what you learn about yourself, your product, your company, and the world as you go along. And I just thought, I mean, I'm such an advocate of like, you know, following our passions, which often become our purpose. Like you getting healthy was your passion, which ultimately led you to your purpose. And I think that that try, like if you don't try different possibilities, if you don't lean in, you're never going to understand it. Totally. No, I think it's 100%. So very, very, very true. Yeah, it's so, it's so, so, so powerful. And by the way, I love what you're doing. I listened to, so you have, your, your podcast is Unstoppable and I listened to you and Greg Renfrew. And I love, love who's her. founder and CEO of Beauty Counter. I am an, I'm a loyal Beauty Counter user as of the past just couple of years, and I will never go back to anything else. And just hearing the two of you talk about your, your journeys, but also just advocacy. And you start, you talked about lobbying for clean water. And I'm like, oh, you go, girl. I just love yeah. how this mission continues to grow and grow and just fuel your energy and thank you company yeah no it's really pretty i mean it's pretty great and greg's done so much great stuff around ingredients and makeup and you know cosmetics industry as a whole so i think it's it's when you have a purpose-driven mission it's easy to find causes that you need to kind of like jump into and try and fix 
Yeah. Um, so that's that that was a great podcast. You got me thinking. I need to go back and listen to it again because it was it's awesome. So it's so good. That was one that I bookmarked. I'm like, I need to go back and listen to that one again too. It was really, really powerful. And I just love, I mean, okay, you know my background. I was with Harley Davidson for six and a half years. You reference those customer stories, they write into you. I was just so blown away at what you guys have created and how your customers have become more than customers. You describe them as fans, advocates, believers, participants. Totally. They're writing in basically saying this bottle of water, right? Changed in the your same life. way. Yeah. In the same way it changed your life, it's changing people's lives, which isn't easy to do with like a consumer package good, right? Yeah. No, totally. It's like, it's a really powerful message. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great, great journey. Yeah. Well, I'm. I, it's unbelievable. I could talk to you for hours. I have like a hundred more questions and we're not going to go there because I want to honor your time and, and the ears and eyes of everybody listening. I love that so they, oh, I love that they've been with us this whole time. So I did want to say, so you guys have branched out from, you started with water and then you got into sunscreen and then most recently deodorant. And then right before you and I got on camera, you showed me. Yes. The hand sanitizer. So that was a that was a realization through COVID that I thought needed to have some adjustments in the marketplace. And so we just are launching it right now. And it's so good. Like it's it's so awesome. So we're we're very, very excited about it. I am super excited. I'm definitely going to use that because like you and I were talking before, like most of it, most of the hand sanitizer just smells horrific and yeah. hand sanitizer is in our lives. My, my view is that it's in our lives forever. I agree. So yeah, no, it's, it's clementine, grapefruit and lime. And oh my so, God. yeah, so it's, I it's, love yeah, it. So it's, go on to drinkhint.com and buy it. And I think it's going to be on Amazon within the next week or so too. And by the way, you guys, so you heard Kara say like 50% of their sales comes from like selling directly from their website, which is by the way, how I get all of mine. I literally just order cases from you guys because it's so much easier than going to the store and distribution is sometimes wonky around here. So yeah, I, I totally do that. And I, I encourage everybody to do that. So Kara, your book, Undaunted drops on October 20th, which will be a day after this comes out. And Yay. now that everybody is has fallen in love with you and wants to buy your book, where can they find the book and follow you? Yeah, so it's at undauntedthebook.com or on my website, karagolden.com or Amazon or lots of retailers. And then me, it's just Kara Golden and I'm on all social channels and definitely drop in and say hi. And yeah, it's lots of fun. So, well, I really, really appreciate the Shelly. It was super thank fun. You. It was really great to reconnect with you. Thanks for agreeing yeah, to join yeah, me. And yeah. thank you for going on this journey and sharing your very personal story with the world. Because I believe this is how we find this deep human connection. Because by you going on that journey and telling that story, you've brought so many of the rest of us oh, into the health so, journey as well. So you're so you. sweet. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And thanks everybody for listening. And yes. definitely would love to hear from you, especially after you read the book. Yes. So for sure. That's awesome. You guys go out, buy the book, buy yourself a case of Hint Water, hang out, sit down and learn a hell of a lot more. You got some juicy nuggets on this podcast, but you'll learn even more. So thanks guys. Love so it. Okay. Bye, Bye guys. Hey Rebel, thanks for listening. 
you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so our fellow rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at soulbatical.com and follow me at soulbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?